thanks for joining North of 48. Today's program, the UK gets the COVID vaccine treatment. So let's take a look at their numbers on the unemployment scheme and uh, see what it'll do to help them. the United Kingdom today, a COVID-19 vaccine is on its way. Britain has given emergency authorization to Pfizer-BioNTech's coronavirus vaccine, becoming the first country in the world to allow mass inoculations. It starts next week. Here's CTV's Paul Workman from London. Big refrigerated trucks will likely be used to ship the first vials of vaccine. From Belgium, where it was produced, to the UK, which moved at extraordinary speed to authorize its use. We're packing vials of vaccine as we speak, and we'll be shipping them in the next 24, 48 hours, the first batches to the UK. The data show that this vaccine is 95% effective. It is effective in all the groups that were given the vaccine within the trial, uh, irrespective of age, sex, race, or country. Good news for a change on the day Britain emerged from a second national lockdown. To learn there is help on the way for those who most need it. I mean, people are dying of COVID, so you make that decision. Do you want to die or do you want the vaccine? <laughs> I would like to pay tribute to and to thank all those who have made this possible. It is the protection of vaccines that will ultimately allow us to reclaim our lives and get our economy moving again. There are practical issues with the Pfizer vaccine. It must be shipped in special containers and kept ultra-cold. That will impact any mass vaccination program and who gets the shots first. The risk of dying from COVID-19 is very strongly associated with age. Age is by far the single most important factor in terms of risk from COVID-19. People living and working in care homes, where to be given priority, that will likely be scaled back now because the vaccine is tricky to move. But whoever goes first and most likely healthcare workers, Britain has leaped ahead of the world. The first 800,000 doses will be shipped to the UK for use next week. The country's scientific advisors say two other potential vaccines are being given the same analysis for fast-track approval. Paul Workman, CTV News, London. So Britain's going to be the guinea pig for everybody in the world for the uh, Pfizer BioNTech vaccine. It's a new type. It's called an RNA, and it uses a tiny fragment of the virus's genetic code. This starts making part of the virus inside the body, which the immune system recognizes as foreign and starts to attack. The destination country that gets the vaccine, can choose to store the vaccine in a freezer farm for up to six months at 70 degrees, minus 70 degrees Celsius. In unopened dry ice packs, the vaccine has 10 days to reach the vaccination center. And once delivered, the vaccine can be stored for up to five days in a fridge between 2 degrees Celsius and 8 degrees Celsius. There are currently no licensed RNA vaccines in the United States. However, researchers have been studying and working with them for decades. 
Interest has grown in these vaccines because they can be developed in a laboratory using readily available materials. This means the process can be standardized and scaled up, making vaccine development faster than traditional methods of making vaccines. And they've been studied for um, rabies and, and Ebola. My gosh, so Britain's going to be guinea pigs. Um, good luck to you guys. We're, we're going to be looking at it with bated breath. The full safety data and clinical trial results have still not been published by Pfizer and neither has any technical analysis. Its chief, June Rain, said that he's confident that there has been an extremely thorough and scientifically rigorous review. It's, uh, me and you know better until people have been using it for years. It's not safe. So are we at that spot right now where we're going to do a Hail Mary, get the vaccine, and hope nothing goes wrong in the future. Well, apparently we are, and Britain's going to be the test case for the Pfizer vaccine. There are other vaccines coming that use a different process that actually use the dead virus, much like the polio vaccine used the dead polio virus to kickstart your immune system. The Russians have been using a vaccine in China as well. So they're immunizing their people. I really hope uh, nothing untoward happens and that this works out. And I don't mean to be sound skeptical, but I think we have to. We have to take a scientific look at this to see what happens. So with only 400,000 people on 800,000 doses, because you've got to get the dose twice, and it'll still be a while before Britain's pubs are full again. However, I'm sure the manufacturing's going um, full speed forward. So will that mean like every pub you go into or every store, you have to show a vaccine certificate? Can you get away without wearing a mask? I don't know. So Justin Trudeau came out with a comment. And he says, One of the things to remember is Canada no longer has any domestic production capacity for vaccines. We used to have it decades ago, but we no longer have it. Countries like the United States, Germany, and the UK do have domestic pharmaceutical facilities, which is why they're obviously going to prioritize helping their citizens first. Prime Minister Trudeau also went on to say we've begun to invest once again in ensuring that Canada will have domestic vaccine production capacity because we never want to be cut short again without the ability to support Canadians directly. Now in Canada had a heck of a time setting up manufacturing again to make masks, have a heck of a time being able to make the vaccine. Now that's true in some extent, Canada lacks the capacity to make the vaccine because the pharmaceutical companies in Canada are already making vaccines for polio and um, making uh, diabetic goods. 
so the capacity isn't there canada does have have uh bio companies again we're looking at a system where there was no long-term planning where you know it was cheaper to make in japan or in india so let's ship it over there and now countries are really getting uh having a look at their supply chain in japan uh there was an interesting article today and you can find that article in the uh who new york times um it's about a rice cake maker whose family has been um, making cakes for travelers that come to um, to Kyoto to a shrine there and they started the business in the year 1000. Like many businesses in Japan, her family shop takes the long view, albeit longer than most, by putting tradition and stability over profit and growth. Ichiwa has weathered wars, plagues, natural disasters, and the rise and fall of empires. Through it all, its rice flour cakes have remained the same. I've personally been involved with companies that would sell real estate that they may use in a couple of years to make sure that everybody got their bonuses at the end of the year for shares kind of amazing um, seeing how other countries do things uh, Japan th has not been riding um, a global tidal wave of profits but they've been maintaining I'm not sure theirs is the right system but taking a longer view sure as heck wouldn't uh, wouldn't hurt and then maybe people wouldn't be uh, lost in the economy the way they are nowadays. My only takeaway in this episode is the government of the UK has uh, provided their citizens to be guinea pigs for the vaccine trials, and uh, some businesses in Japan have a long-term approach to things. <laughs>